It's time for the Had It.com radio show. Had It.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to HadIt.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Had It uh, uh, radio show. Uh, we're on this 29th day of July, 2015. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and he's also doubling as technician today. And our guest speaker today will be Bob Walsh, and uh, we're going to be speaking a little bit about uh, spoliation of your claim. Now, uh, Bob's an attorney. If you need a good attorney fighting the VA, uh, you need to give him a call. How are you doing today, Bob? Well, I'm 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 busy, so let's hold off on that giving me a call idea. <laughs> but uh, what what you should do, folks, if if you need an attorney, you should go to the Nova website. Uh, the Nova attorneys are the are the really serious folks that that uh, have really spent a lot of time and and really try to understand the VA. Nobody can, but they try. You know, all you can ask is an honest effort to try to understand the VA. So if you go to that Nova National Organization of Veterans Advocates, there's both attorneys and and certified advocates on there that are members. And they've got a directory state by state. But you want to have an attorney close by because you've got to have hearings. You've got to uh, you want to be in the same time zone, and you want to be able to get in to see him from time to time if you have to. So we we've got folks scattered out all over the world. We've got a guy in Germany. We've got a guy up in a Indian reservation in far north Canada, and and uh, we had a guy in Kathmandu, Nepal, one time. So you can have people all over the world, but the best idea is to to have your representative be be close to home. But having said that, little plug for Nova, uh, you can also go to the court's website, and everybody is listed on that list that's admitted to the court that's interested in talking to veterans. But I'll tell you what happens. A lot of those people are on there. They've they've handled one or two cases, and some of them have thrown up their hands in, in disgust. And run scre- screaming into into the night, you know, because because uh, uh, the VA can kind of shock your system if you if you're if you got any common sense about you. So you might watch that now. Um, so you you might find somebody uh, on that list that's not a Nova member. Not not everybody is a Nova member, and they don't have to be. So those are the two those are the two places I'd go fishing. You know, uh, you've seen the the Cart, you know the the old paintings, you know the Rockwell painting of the two kids fishing in the, you know fishing in the, uh, uh, in, in their swimming pool, you know. Well, there's no fish in there, but so you want to go where the fish are, and those are the two spots I'd go. Uh, your local attorneys just can't help you with this. It's specialized stuff, and you you got to go you got to go get the one of the experts. Now it's all about spoilation. We had. Uh, reason to get into this uh, kind of close to home. It seems Mr. Cook has developed a little problem with the uh, with his record. Uh, we He had sent off to get a copy of it. He got the computer disk from 
St. Louis from the new VA uh, Record Center down there. By the way, it's not a new place. That VA Record Center has always been there. But in the old days, before VBMS and these uh, recent changes, veterans and their representatives could not go down there to get the records. And the records that were down there were primarily the medical center records. Uh, for instance, if, you're, if your file in the old days, your paper file at the medical center, say you, you were there from, from 1950, you were a Korean War vet, you got injured, so 53, 54, 55, you were getting some medical treatment. And you, then you didn't go back for two years. That paper record would be bundled up after a couple of years, and they would ship it to St. Louis, and it would be put in the paper archive. Just like down the road, the NPRC ran the paper archive with all of our military records, which they used to roast their weenies and and uh, and and uh, cook their hamburgers uh, a few years ago. So. If I wanted those old medical records, I had to turn the release at 105345 into my local medical center and say, "Hey, don't give me just this computer stuff." And this is a this is a standard trick of the VA. You send out there and these guys will press the button and they'll be happy to load you up a CD or print you the paper and send you the the computerized medical records. But if you know your guy's a Vietnam vet and you know your guy was in and out of the hospital, uh, you know, back in the, the 70s and 80s. Uh, I think this automation of the of the VA medical chart started about 96, I think, 94, 96, something right in that zone. So you want that old record, that, that pre-automation record. And if you want it, you got to tell them because they don't want to go get it. But what they used to have to do is they would go down to St. Louis and they would say, "Hey, we want the we want that part of the chart." And they would get it. Now, here's the confounding thing: they go and get it today. What what would you think would be the smart play of those old records? You'd want to scan them and put them up in the in the system, right, so the doctors could see it. No, no, they mean I can do that. So I now have a case where a guy when when Saigon fell. And we evacuated. He had been home from Vietnam uh, about three years, three, four years. And he saw it on the news. His brother had been in Vietnam before him, and he just flipped out. And he ended up a week after the embassy was evacuated, he ended up in the hospital for two weeks on a suicide watch. And he told, the, he said his wife told him in a hearing, and he confirmed that, yeah, I was in the hospital, and they kept him on what they call intensive outpatient therapy. He was at the VA, his VA uh, medical center, Monday through Friday from 8 o'clock until 5 o'clock from uh, two weeks after he was in the hospital. When he got out, as soon as he got out of the hospital, he was in there about two weeks, he stayed on that from, from uh, June, middle of June, all the way to December 31st of that 1975. Now, what was that? That was PTSD. And they say he doesn't have PTSD. Well, he's had PTSD all his life, and he's got Social Security disability because of PTSD. Of course, we didn't go get those records either because, gosh, that would have been troublesome. So 
that's not a case of spoilation. That's a case where he specifically told them where the records were and what the records were. But this is all going to circle around and tie, tie into this spoilation problem we're having right now. Folks, you know, you can look at all these court cases. You can go back and, and look at uh, the old Russo case, 9 Vet App 469, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and all that. But guess what? Uh, they're... It, the onus is on you, the veteran, the veteran's advocate, the veteran's family. You guys have to go get these records. you got to gather them up. And what's the rule around this office? If you're going to send it to the VA, you're sure going to keep a copy of it and put it in a safe place. And the best thing is to make two copies of it and put it in two safe places. And down in the basement, sitting next to the overflow uh uh, pressure relief on your water heater is not a safe place, okay? And, uh, you know, of course, we know all the horror stories of the, uh, you know, it was over at Mom's house, and, and she moved and threw it out while I was away, or, uh, you know, the ex-wife uh, ran it through the shredder or whatever. These are all horror stories. They're all good excuses, but they won't feed the bulldog when it comes to winning your claim. Now these the new kids are getting uh, the new folks coming out are getting flash drives or CDs with all their records on them. But I'm having them come in here already saying, "Where's your CD?" Oh well, I lost it, or the kid scratched it, or the dog ate it, or you know, that's something that ought to be down in your safe deposit box. That's something that ought to be in your lockbox or your fireproof safe in your house with your important papers. These, these things are important. And if you, you know, private medical records now. Private medical records uh, under the, the new regulations, you know, everything's automated and they share it and it's all wonderful and it's on the computer. But, you know, if it's not on the computer, they're getting rid of it. The government didn't say you have to scan all the old stuff and then you can throw it away. They didn't say that. They just said if it's over 10 years old, you can get rid of it. But all your new stuff has to be up on the computer. Okay. It's gone. Folks, if you're not active with, with a physician and you haven't been back to them in a few years and those records are over 10 years old, they're gone. Another thing's going on, spoilation, the VA is getting rid of all the old x-ray films. I sent a guy here with this all shot to heck in Vietnam, and he had all kinds of orthopedic issues because of it and all kinds of shell fragments in him. And I sent him out to get his actual x-ray films. And they have a machine where they can copy those x-ray films. They have a machine where they can take that x-ray film, put it up there, and digitize it and put it on the computer. Did they do this? No. What they did is they took those x-ray films if you've ever seen them they're a big big sheet of, of mylar big sheet of plastic clear plastic the black on the x-ray is silver oxide silver tarnish and what they do is they they put it through a chemical bath and they wash all that silver off it and throw the plastic away and then they set they they pull that silver out of there and they get to recycle that silver 
So there's big money in getting rid of and recycling old X-ray films, and the and the government decided they were going to going to get some of it, and they got rid of all the old X-ray films. But they got a twofer because now the guy can't prove that he's had continuity of of symptomatology all those years because they ditched all the films. And by the way, if you compare the read of a of a VA X-ray, if you compare the the written report that you get that you guys see all the time, if you compare that with the X-ray film and say, nothing wrong with this guy, then take it to your doctor. Take it to somebody else. Let them throw it up on the on the light and, and light, backlight and light it up. And they'll tell you, well, there's a shell fragment over here, and, my God, there's an arthritic spurring over here. And, well, this is a highly abnormal uh, uh, study. And then the answer will come back. But the written report says nothing wrong with this guy. Okay. So you got to have the real films to take to your doctor to look at to say, oh, but I don't agree with this report. I think there's a lot wrong with you. Okay, but you can't do that if you haven't got those films or you ha- or, or you haven't had them digitized or or read. So you want to go after this stuff, and and you and if you go to your private doctor and they've got old stuff, they they most generally will 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 give it to you. And they're willing to digitize it and put it up on their computer so they can get rid of the storage space issue. And so they're happy if you carry them away. But if you get them and you're going to have them, put them in a safe place. All right. Now let's talk about what's going on. We talked the last time I was on the show, we talked a little bit about this missing decisions, these critical documents coming out of Janesville, Wisconsin, and Noonan, Georgia, where people were not getting important papers from the VA. And by important, I mean VCAA notices. You know, the notice that says, hey, we need more evidence, and here's the things we're working on, and you've got, you know, 30 days to give us that evidence. But I also mean rating decisions, statements of the case, supplemental statements of the case, the board seems to be properly tied in to these places. The board seems to be right now having corrected. They had a lot of bad address issues and stuff up there. But right now, recently, the board seems to be getting their decisions out. And, of course, I'll have a client call this afternoon and say that he got a decision and I didn't get it that which will you know offset that but whatever the board's process I think the board is issuing their stuff from their own mailroom still they're not using Noonan to promulgate their decisions the board seems to be just like the board always was a little hit and miss but pretty good but I'm telling you this there's a disconnect between these regional offices, how they upload and promulgate these decisions. And to give you an example, and we talked about this once a few shows ago when I was on here, we talked about the the problem with that that uh, we were having with the the TDIU annual income verification, which is 21-4140-1. That's the form. Now. You don't have to do that every year. If the VA wants that done, they send you a request. They send you the form, and they ask you to complete it. And it doesn't happen every year, so it's kind of hit and miss. 
But what we reported was that people weren't getting that. And I wasn't getting it. And the veterans weren't getting it. And and the, then after a couple months, you get a, uh, a nasty gram from them saying, a warning, saying, you know, we sent you that that 21, 4140-1 and you didn't fill it out in response. It's a little one-page form. All you do is check a block, say, I had no income, sign it, and send it in to them. Okay, first of all, like I said before, if you're going to send it into the VA, you better sure be keeping a copy of it. And the best way to send it into the VA now is to to send it to the fax number, to the toll-free number at Noonan or Janesville, and have your fax set up to give you an answer back. And they'll give you a little answer back email saying, hey, we got this thing right now. They'll give you a date, date, time, and how many pages they received. Then you've got proof. Because the next thing that's going to happen is that they're going to come back with their nasty letter in about three months, and they're going to say, we sent you that form, and you didn't send it back to us, and in 30 days we're going to take your TDIU away. Now that notice is what gets people moving, and that's where I get people coming in here. And we've done about 10 of those in the last two years. Now, let's talk about this stupid income verification form. The VA used to terrorize all the pensioners with it, the old World War II veterans. And they had a hearing, I think in the the House Veterans Affairs Committee, they had a hearing on this a few years ago, and the House committee said, well, gosh, didn't we give you people access to Social Security, to all the Social Security database? Well, yes, yes, you did. Well, if we did, and you want to do income verification, why don't you just get a, a, a printout of Social Security numbers and names, and why don't you have somebody sit at the terminal and and ask if any of these people have had any income, and then look at and, and send those people to form? Why are you terrorizing? You know, so so you've got a, a World War II veteran, and he's over in the nursing home. His daughter's taking care of him. She doesn't know what this stupid form is, and she she didn't see it in the mail because he opened it up and set it aside anyway the day he got sick. And so then the pension would get cut off, and then everybody running down to the VSO or the county vet's office trying to get the pension put back on, and the guy'd be losing his house and being evicted and kicked out of the nursing home and everything else. So to avoid that, Congress said, you guys just stop doing this for pension. They said, okay. And with a million claims backlog and plenty of things to do, they decided, well, we're going we're gonna to hammer down on these evil TDIU people. We're going to shape them up. So all the people that were annoying the World War II and Korean War veterans and that war, that uh, the pension and the widows on pension, they they uh, they shifted their fires over to the to the TDIU folks. Well, now enter the automated system. the The announcements are not going out. So I get a call. Uh, uh, it'll be two weeks Friday from a client, and he said, I just got a notice that my TDIU's been cut off. And I'm his attorney of record, and 
I said, well, did you get the did you get the letter and the form asking you to fill out the form? He says, no, I did not. I said, did you get the warning letter? Because they had the dates in there in the in the in the rating decision. He says, no, I did, did not. So here they are again with a million claims backlog, and they prepared the first letter with the form, which they didn't bother to send out, and then they prepared the three or four page long. Uh, threat that we're going to do it, you know, the due process notice, which they didn't send out. And then they went through all the fuss and feathers of preparing a rating decision, which has to go through approvals, and everybody got to prove it. Now, this is a remarkable case because in December, on December 1st with this guy, we had a DRO hearing. And the DRO had the file. And when we got in touch with him, he said, well, somebody has snatched that file out of here. And we faxed him all the documents we'd uploaded to VBMS, and he went chasing down the file, and he sent us an email back the next day, and he says, I got it all taken care of, and it's all fixed, and it's done. And I don't think the guy's going to miss any pay. Now, what are the consequences of dropping out of TDIU? Well, First of all, if you've got a spouse that's on Champ VA, you know, that's the end of that, right? If you've got kids that are going to Chapter 35, that's the end of that. And the all, and the other thing is that it uh, it cuts your money in half, and if, if you're running on a tight budget, you know, now you're in trouble. And also, but for, there were, so there were six notices, three notices that were supposed to be sent, to the to the veteran and three that were supposed to be sent to me as the representative. We got one. And I suspect if we went up to the court and said, well, you know, one out of six, and they say, well, it just sounds fine to us. I'm telling you that there's kind of a closed mind in Washington about these allegations of these jack wagons not sending out these pleadings that we're all a bunch of whiners and liars, and it's not true. Well, it is true. And we have now, I think we've done 30 sets of affidavits on these things now. So in the last probably six months, we've had at least 30 cases of this. And here's one where it almost was a train wreck, but we stopped it. But what if that sixth, if that one out of six had not we'd not received it what would have happened is that friday or or saturday you know payday this guy's direct deposit into his bank account would have been half what it should have been and i you know i assume he would have noticed and he would have contacted me and then we'd have to do detective work and figure out what was wrong and figure out why this happened and then we'd have to go back and start the process of of uh unringing the bell this is bad stuff so, with all this as kind of background, and, by, and so, by the way, we're sending off to get claims files, and in the claims files, we're finding critical documents that we never received in the mail. We found a statement of the case in a claims file we got two months ago. Wow, a statement of the case. We still had about a week left on it. We got a VA-9 in in time. But I'm telling you, had we not got a VA-9, nine in in time. I'm telling you what the court told me in my 
in my missing statement of the case, uh, uh, we had a case where there's about there's about eight mailings, and out of the eight mailings, uh, the veteran got one, and I got none. And the court said, "Well, the veteran got one. That's okay. You're just crying. You're just whining. You know, it's just okay." There's a presumption of regularity of the mails, and there's a presumption of regularity uh, that a a government official will discharge their duty responsibly. And what have you done to rebut that? Uh, Went to the mailbox every day? You know? Now, let's get... So now we circle back to the the problem with these these, uh, claims files. Mr. Thomas Murphy, who's director of Comp and Pen, spoke to Nova. He's talking about the process. He says, well, we go through the process. We get the paper files in there. The contractor scans them. Contractor, important word here, folks, contractor, scans the claims file. But we have our VA quality assurance person there. And that person looks it all over and says, wow, that's good, and we're good to go. Okay. But what's the old, uh, in the computer business, we used to say, guy go, right? Guy go. Garbage in, garbage out. If the claims file was already a mess, you know, you can scan it all you want, and it's still going to be a mess, except it's going to be a mess on a PDF file on a CD instead of a mess in paper, Right? It's going to be the same mess. Well, these guys have taken it to to a new a new uh, high here. They put some new wrinkles in it. So you go through, and you know it's looking good, looking good. And then oh, we got the sideways page, and then we got the upside down page, and then we got the all black page, and then we got the all white page, and then we got the uh, anti copy squiggly lines all over everything. And, and you can't read it anyway. And then we got the fuzzy out of focus page. And then we got all the other veteran. And then we got to have the other veteran in there. Because we wouldn't want to just get a record, you know, that was just you. That's boring. So let's take some other poor guy and put, you know, a few pages of his critical records into your claims file. You know, sort of like shuffle the deck a little bit here. And that poor guy can't understand why he's losing his claims because his, his DD-214 and all his uh, critical medical records from Desert Storm, Desert Shield are in some Navy veteran, uh, you know, that got out in 1967. Hey, Bob, how do you recommend uh, an official good way to uh, report that information once you find somebody else's records inside your record? What's the well, best that, way to we, keep you out of jail? You know, we've been wrestling with what's the process, what are we going to do, and I'll tell you what we're going to do uh, for for Gerald and what we're going to do for this other guy because we just I just found one last night. I didn't tell Gerald this morning, but I found another one last night. And in this one, uh, I, they they sent some records, fairly routine records in his, but in this one, they sent this guy's DD two fourteen to my client. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm a little nervous about, you want to talk about identity theft, right? You know, and that's a Desert Storm uh, DD-214. That means it's not a claim number 
That's that's your social security number on there. So you got everything. You got a guy's date of birth, his address, his full name, middle name, and his social security number. Wow. If you're into identity theft, man, is that great, right? You know, you don't even have to work at that one. So what we're suggesting to do, what we're getting ready to do, is we're going to send a letter. We're going to send the the CD, you know, a copy of the CD that these guys sent us from St. Louis with the pages we've extracted out of there that are the other guys. And I just was talking to, to my paralegal, and I said, you know what we're going to do? We're we're going to send that other guy his records out of this file and tell him how we came to have him and advise him to write a letter down there to St. Louis and tell them to get his records out of that other guy's file. Okay, and also in, in informing them that they have a they have a potential claim under the Federal Privacy Act, and they might want to, you know, confer with counsel over that. You know, go go and talk to their local attorney and see if they can find somebody that does these Privacy Act appeals. We won a Privacy Act uh, case up here in the the uh, Federal District Court for the Western District of Michigan last year against the local VA medical center because a bunch of people that weren't involved in the in the clinical care of my disabled veteran uh, also slash employee uh, that were getting into her, her uh, medical records and snooping around in there when they didn't have any business in there. And we won that one. And, and we should have won it. But I don't think too many people bring these complaints. So what we're suggesting is that we're we're going to send back the the CD, uh, a copy of it. I'm not going to send them back their CD because that's my evidence, okay. And then we're going to what we've done in in uh, Gerald's case is we went back and get, we had his court record. We went back and got his court record, and we said, look, you guys say that the that the claims file is 700 pages. Now. And in 2008, he had 1,300 pages. Now, I'm not that mathematically challenged where I can figure out that's not right, okay? Uh, You know, it ought to be growing instead of shrinking. And it sure has. And so now what we've got to do, the the, the hard part of this one is not the old file because we've got that. And it's up to court and it's got numbered pages and everything, and we know exactly what it is. It's the record on appeal from the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. So we've got a record. What what our problem is is reconstructing what was turned in from 2008 until now. What ought to be in there? And the 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 700 pages they sent us uh I I was looking through the the CD. I jumped in there looking for the most recent code rating sheet. And I couldn't find one. So nowhere in that 700 pages is a rating decision. It's just bizarre. Uh, and, and then there's about 40, I think it were 42 pages of some guy from, now this is strange, there were 42 pages of a guy from Three Rivers, Michigan, okay, which is over here in West Michigan. But that's Detroit Regional Office Jurisdiction. And Gerald, you know, is, and also that would be Noonan, Georgia, right? And 
and yet you're out there, you're out of uh, Janesville, Wisconsin, and, you know, the jurisdiction is Missouri. So I'm I'm sort of confounded of how those records got in there or where they got in there. You know what I mean? It, normally I can explain Detroit, Detroit. You know, I got these two Michigan vets that I discovered last night. That's understandable, you know. Some some guy had a handful of stuff and they threw it in the wrong file. You know, I can understand that. But what I cannot understand is how Michigan and Missouri got conflated here, unless it happened in St. Louis. That's the you know those are the guys. Those got to be the guys. So we're going to send the director down there a demand letter, and we're going to say you got 30 days to reconstitute this record, give us a new CD, and clean up this mess, or we're going to file a petition for mandamus with the Veterans Court. Thank you very much. And we'll get a sample of that once we get that all ready. We'll, we'll give you a sample of that so you can put it up on the on the website. But this is a big problem because this goes back to old Donald Rumsfeld, you know, talking about the, you know, getting ready to attack Iraq. Remember, says, well, says you know, but the, the problem the, the the big problem is the stuff that you don't know that you don't know, right? In other words, if you know about something, you may not know everything about it, but you know you have a problem. You know. But the problem in all this stuff, the the missing pleadings that aren't getting mailed out, and the butchered records, a, a lot of people don't have, haven't been to court. A lot of people aren't like Gerald, where they've got any frame of reference. And most people don't go and get a copy of their file, so they didn't have an old one that they can use, that they're going to be able to use to reestablish this thing. This is going to be a horror. This is just, this is a nightmare here. There should be an easier way to resolve it, but uh, I don't know what it would be. Well, I mean, if they if they've carried if. If they've carried that stuff over to the shredding bin and thrown it away, which I, after the quality assurance is done, which I'm pretty much assured that they have, we've got a mess. Now, let's talk about spoilation. Spoilation normally, uh, you know, it comes up in, in civil lawsuits a lot, sometimes in criminal, but, but mostly it's in it's in civil lawsuits. And the... Um, so you see a lot of it in in uh, insurance, like insurance cases, you know. Well, you know, my house burned down, and, and the insurance adjuster was supposed to come, and those boneheads came over and demolished the last bit of my, and I, we called him, and we called him, and he didn't come. And then, unbeknownst to us, while we were at work, the demolition guys came and tore down the, the, the balance of the house, and then the insurance is, uh, and saying, well, we didn't get a chance to look at it, and the photographs aren't good enough, so we're not going to pay the claim. Spoilation, you know. Or you know you've got evidence, right? And, and uh, the O.J. Simpson case, right, is a classic one, you know, with the, the gloves and all this stuff. You know, they were arguing that the, that there was spoilation, that the, that the cops had, had monkeyed around with the evidence. So... The question is, is there intentional destruction of the evidence or is it accidental? And in most of the cases, they say, well, you know, 
your damages may be higher if it's intentional, but spoilation, spoilation. You know, the the record's chopped up. It's missing. It's not all here. And so we don't care. Uh, if, but but again, the veterans court in the past has not been real real friendly about that. Uh, in that they haven't really uh, taken a strong position when the government has obviously, uh, uh, you know, lost a record or not mailed something. And they've said, well, wow, you know, that's, you, you know, the burden of proof is, is over on you. So that's, uh, uh, I, I just don't see them see uh, changing their, uh, their attitude too much about this. Uh, you know, they've always been, you know, in, in, in the, in the aftermath of the, of the fire, the records fire and everything, uh, it's still always been the burden on us to clean up the mess. And I think that's what I've kind of outlined here today. I think we have to, we have to get ready to, to clean up these messes. We sent a letter out to every one of our clients back in May and we said we're not getting these these VA decisions if you guys get any mail you know you need to call your representative and if we get anything we're going to check in with you and that is uh, I think that's the best plan is is that you know we've got to work together representatives and veterans on this to try to uh, get this thing straightened out okay now, well, um, there's uh, there's no way I can believe this is an accidental thing. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, some some people if listen. If somebody else's records are in with mine, and mine's in with somebody else's, obviously, or it's in the shredder. At any rate, the files uh, has, as far as we're concerned, at this point in time, been destroyed from. Okay. Uh, time X Y Z up till now, uh, so now we have to rebuild that file, and they know that's time delaying. And uh, it's all on us. It's all on us because you know we're not gonna. We, yeah, we're we're probably gonna get a big pushback from these guys with their usual arms folded, saying we didn't do anything wrong and we won't do it again. You know. Now, let me let me give you the standard here. Um, spoilation is the destruction or significant alteration of evidence, or the failure to preserve property for another's use as evidence in pending or reasonably foreseeable litigation. Mossad Technologies Incorporated versus Samsung Electronics, 348 Fed Second 332. District of New Jersey, 2004. Now, the judge has the discretion to impose sanctions. Well, we know that the VA's never been sanctioned for anything by anybody, okay? So that's not going to happen in the CAVC. Um, now, what the court looks at, okay, is, one, the degree of fault of the party who altered or destroyed the evidence. Two, the degree of prejudice suffered by the opposing party, 
And three, whether there is a lesser sanction that will avoid substantial unfairness to the opposing party and where the offending party is seriously at fault will serve to deter such conduct in the future. Well, that's a case called called Schmidt, and that's a Third Circuit case from the 1994. That's uh, uh, 13 Fed Third 76 at page 79, Third Circuit 1994. Now, so there's the point. Uh, what's the what's the remedy? Well, heck, I've always argued, and the same thing in those uh, burn up records. The remedy ought to be to grant the claims. That's an easy fix, right? Just grant my claims, and we'll part friends here. But you know, that's not going to be a remedy that's going to be that's ever going to be imposed by the Veterans Court as we know it, or the Federal Circuit as we know it. So just Get ready for a hoo-ha here, because I see it coming. I think Gerald does, too. Yeah, unfortunately. It, uh, but this is happening all too much. You, you mentioned you had some other veterans that had the same issues with their claims. Oh, good been. Lord, this is over the years. I've had, you know, I've had 20 cases of this, but now you're, you're you know, 20 cases in 25 years, okay, but but now we've had, you know, two in two weeks. This is a whole new ball game here, and the same thing with the missing documents. Both the missing the missing documents that are not getting mailed to representatives and veterans, and these claims files getting butchered, and then, of course, stuff not showing up in VBMS, and, of course, VBM being locked out of VBMS until September because these people can't program a computer. All that stuff, you know, is is stuff that's cutting against us, you know. It's not cutting against it. We're the ones being harmed. We're harmed with delay. We're harmed with do-over. And you got that notice, Gerald, and there's, believe me, everybody's calling with these. Uh, we're getting letters from from the regional office saying, uh, well, you can refile your claim, you know, because you, you timed out on your informal claim. What informal claim? Oh, from five years ago. They they are being asked, these people were told, to load over all the claims from, from the old system, okay, over to VBMS, from VACOLs, so migrate them over. Well, some supervisor said, well, go down there and find the claims. I can't find the claims. Well, so then they send us a letter and put, put the put the monkey on our back, say, well, you know, your claim's lost, and that's your fault, and so, uh, and then he tells us what the claim was for. Like, you know, your claim for, yeah, you know, I got a guy with 20 claims, and they say, oh, your claim's lost, and we're, and we're canceling it. You can refile it if you want to. Well, there goes all your retroactive effect, right? Your your effective date now is is tomorrow, not five years ago. This yeah. is this is moronic, and this is the way these guys are playing this game. So, get ready. And when you get those letters, you got to push back on each one of those claims. You know, you got to dig in and find out what you what you sent them back then five years ago. How you opened that claim up, and you got to. I I recommend everybody faxing that stuff straight in to VBMS. Everything that's in contention here, folks, everything that's in contention, just get it, put a cover letter on it, and fax it into VBMS. 
And if you've got critical medical reports it, that, that were sent in years ago, we've got a case at the court right now where we sent a, a critical medical report in in 2009, and it had a cover letter with it, a certificate of service. It, it had the, the doctor's report, and it had a claim for what the doctor's report diagnosed. They adjudicated the claim. They've got the cover letter in there, the certificate of service, listing them both, and they've got the claim in there. But the, but the doctor's letter that supports it all is missing. And it's our fault. That's the position of the court, and that's the position of general counsel. It's all our fault. Obviously, our affidavit's no good. We're just a cockeyed liar. We didn't do it. Well, I spent $400 getting that medical report, you know, my client and I, so that we would not send it in. Hello? So now we're going back in these files where we're litigating. We're going back when we come up against these critical uh, medical reports, these IMEs we've paid for and stuff. We're just faxing them in on VBMS and getting them on the computer system so we know they're there because we can see them then. You got to do something. Now, I'm not turning in any of their negative evidence, you know. Uh, that's their responsibility, but I'll sure rebuild all the good stuff. Put the good stuff in, folks. Leave the bad stuff behind. You know, put the pan, the, the gold in the bottom of the pan. Put that, put that up on VBMS, and leave all the rest of the stuff at the side. Throw the sand and the water away. That's what I got to say. What do you think? Well, I tell you, it. Uh... It's a terrible thing what they're doing. We all know that. It's finding the right method to combat them. Uh, they shouldn't, you know, this mixing records up and this uh, switching over to digitizing everybody's file, which on the surface looks really great and sounds great and practical. But in reality... What what uh, we're getting a taste now of what's coming about. You're getting these CDs sent out as a factual file when it's only uh, a partial file and incorrect at that. I mean, the data on there is useless. Uh, well, and, and you know, the, the... It, it's so easy to hit the delete button. To copy and paste, and and uh, the abuse, the the door to abuse has been opened. Well, the contractors and, obviously, the contractors have been. Their scope of work may have been poor. The supervision has been poor, but remember, they had garbage to start with. You know, these right. files aren't these files aren't indexed. These, the, you know, there was no quality. In the paper files, they were given to process, and so, like I said, back to the old, back to the old uh, battle cry from the early computer days: garbage in, garbage out. Well, that's true. Uh, even the file they sent me uh, or sent Doug, yeah, he sent it to me. Uh, before it went to Doug, and I sent it to Doug. A big box of, of stuff here, and I went through every page, 
and it was scrambled up like eggs. Oh uh, no, it, no, they it, take it. No, no, the way the way they the way they index a, a a veteran's file is they take it up to the tenth or twelfth floor of the federal building. They pry open the elevator. They throw it down. They pick it up at the bottom of the shaft, shove it into a box, and 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 give it to you. There it is. Well, that's that uh, that's what it appears like. And uh, now you've seen a if you've ever seen a Social Security uh, appeal record, it's all indexed. You know, there's an index on there. It tells you where everything is. It tells you how many pages it is. It tells you who it's from. It tells you the date of it, and you can really navigate down through there. And those administrative judges can get can get through there and get some work done okay but you every and every exhibit is you know there's the medical the medical stuff is segregated from the decisions which is segregated from the correspondence uh and the government medical opinions are segregated from the private medical opinions and then everything's indexed and they've got an exhibit number on it and it's and you can go and you can find what you're looking for you can also, by the way, in that system, in the Social Security ERE system, you can upload PDFs, okay? So right now, we've our fax machine will only take about 50 sheets at a time. So we can't fax these big files into them. We've got them in PDFs. We have to print them off, turn them into paper, and mail them down to uh, Noonan, Georgia, or over to Janesville, Wisconsin. That's primitive, that's stupid, but that's, and you lose the integrity, you know, of those documents. I'd just rather upload the the whole file. Something else, folks, Social Security CDs are TIFF files. We just had a remand because the, the Social Security disk was in the was in the claims file, and the, the, the BVA judge says, oh, the Social Security disk is in here. They never opened it up and looked at it. And everything that's in there says the guy's disabled because of his of his service-related injuries, and they couldn't talk about that because they didn't have a TIF reader. So what we do is we we have a they have a free TIF reader. You got to print off your Social Security CD, turn it into paper, and and then either fax it into them or mail it in to to Janesville or Noonan. That's what you got to do, folks, because you got to know it's in there. And this also this uh, Capri crap with oh your medical stuff is in there your favorable uh, VA medical records they're in there they're in there no get them and turn them in because they're not turning they're not in there and you can't see them and you get up to the board or up to court and they're not there and then you lose so if you need it in there if it's good stuff go and get it and turn it in it's your record you have to protect it and you have to fight about it you've got to go get it and review it so the first step on this process is to write off with the VA form 3288 send it fax it fax it into Janesville or Noonan they will forward it down to St. Louis St. Louis will issue you a CD if your files in paper if you're lucky and your files still in paper you'll get a paper copy safeguard that but i would take it over to some place like staples or some kinkos or someplace like that and have them scan it and turn it into a pdf uh, file on a, a, a cd or flash drive for you back these things up load them onto your computer hard drive put them on a flash drive put them on a cd put the paper away in a safe place 
because this is going to be a real war here. It's going to go on, drag on for 10 years, I think. I think you're right. Uh, yeah. I mean, now you have to take, put in double the effort to see to it. Your claims file is in proper order. And as my as my old professor used to say, just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're really not out to get you. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. He was right. Okay, guys, thanks for having me on the show. Hey, well, Bob, quick question for you go. On, Bob. All right, bye bye. Quick question before you go. Anything yeah. new on Robert's case? There is. We'll we'll get you an update, but we have uh, we're we're going to petition for mandamus. We've got to get them off the dime. So a mo- next month, uh, uh, thirty days from today, the mandamus petition will be going in, and then then you'll uh, you'll feel the earth shake. Good. Good deal. All right. Thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, Gerald, let's recap what he said there. Big information. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, the main thing is your your claims file. You have to know what's in your claims file, folks. Because what you think is in it and what is actually in it can be two different things. Uh, could be somebody else's information. <laughs> well, uh, very well, uh, as well it is uh, sometimes. And uh, if you live close enough to a regional office, go in and put your eyeballs on that claim file, go to the Take as much time as you need. Uh, go through that claim file and be sure everything that you put in there uh, is in there. Uh, because you get down to the end of the road and here your claim file looks like scrambled eggs, you're in a world of hurt. Because now you have to restore your claim file. Yes, and you that's do. A lot and that's of not work. That that that's a nightmare. That, even if you got copies of everything, you got to reorganize. If you're like me, I'm the world's worst record keeper. But uh, I know I have everything. So now I got to go to dig out everything that I think is missing. Like Bob said. It's only going to be the good stuff, not the bad stuff. I don't care what the BA said. I'm going to put in what I said uh, and send that information in. Uh, well, I'll send it to Bob, and Bob will will submit it properly. But yeah, uh, he should. Uh, as he should. Yeah, he's he's my POA, so. I don't deal with the BA except through him. Uh, that way we, we're on the same plane here. And uh, uh, so you got to know your claim file is in proper order, folks, or you can get 10 years down the road and you find out your claim file been in a shamble for seven, eight years. Yes. Then you you start saying, well, hell no wonder I can't get nothing done. Uh, 
I've had people look at my file and say, boy, you ain't got much to work with, so I'll get busy and start faxing them stuff, uh, trying to figure out, well, why, you know, what do they talk? I don't understand. Uh, of course, I live uh, four, over 400 miles from the regional office to go to the regional office, and I've an easy thing for me, and and uh, therefore I don't get to go in and look at my claims file. And besides that, they keep it shipped off at either the Nashville Resource Center or the uh, uh, what's that? CMC. Uh, CMC. Uh, uh, CMC and. <laughs> uh, yeah, AMC and and the uh, it, it's and the Yeah, and, and they keep the ball uh, uh, floating around the country. Every time they want to clean their desk off, they just ship you load your bunch of piles up in the UPS truck or whatever they got. And and send it off somewhere else, and they might sit there in their warehouse for two or three months, and then when things get hot there, they move them down to somewhere else. Uh, uh, chances are your files en route to somewhere, and they yes. don't even know. <laughs> and, and well, the trick they use keeps their desk clean. And at the same time, they say, well, uh, and and all these files in transit, I don't know if they're even classified as being in the backlog. Uh, I don't think they don't count. I don't think they count them as far as that because they're not physically uh, So we got all these, we got millions of files being transported from point A to point B. Yeah. <clears throat> Continuous basis until somebody says, "Well, we got to pull uh, John Doe's file out. Uh, where is it?" And it takes them two or three months to track it down. What truck it's on to get it yanked off there? Well, Gerald, and, you know how the system operates, right? Well, uh, <laughs> I got a pretty good idea, but. Well, from what I can determine after my 20-some-plus years of working with this stuff is the whole system thrives on chaos, which actually breeds confusion. And the poor veteran is the beneficiary of that confusion. Well, it sure is. And, and, uh, we, we had a term for that. Uh-huh. I was in the military. I'm sure you had it in the Army, too. You got called the snafu, right? Yeah. We call it a cluster. It runs yeah. a truck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but these files in transit, uh, they're not classified as nothing. They're zero. And once your your file gets on a, a truck going somewhere, chances are it's going to remain on that truck. Uh and a piece of it might end up here, a piece of it over there. Uh, there's no telling. Uh, there's no way of knowing. And this digitizing these files, which in itself on the surface is a great thing, but also 
with great pain sometimes comes a disaster. Uh, it's so easy to manipulate these digitized files or you uh, you go on a copy break. Here's a guy throwing this stuff in the copier or uh, putting it on a CD or something, digitizing your file, and he decides to take a copy break. He comes back, grabs up the wrong piece of paper. He throws mm. somebody else's in your file for a while, and then he says, oh, that's the wrong one. Then he comes back to yours, throws them in, and... Uh, Oh, we'll just trash these. Uh, they don't look no good. And you don't know what's going on. It's, it's trash going in, like Robert said. Trash going in, trash coming out. My final advice for today, folks. This is Gerald, you with me on this one. It doesn't matter how long your claim's been completed, if it's been completed, or if you're still in the heat of battle with the VA. Everyone within listening distance of my voice should, if they have not done already, obtain a copy of your claims folder as soon as possible to go through it to make sure everything is in there. Because you could have been lowballed or anything on stuff that was missing or spoliated or whatever. That's so right, and always and get you a copy. Digitize it. Uh, did you put it on a flash drive, put it on a CD, uh, and keep a paper copy? Yep. I'm telling you, even if you've been approved and you're 100% service-connected, this file, I guarantee you, is, is never to be destroyed. You keep this file. And, keep it. and uh, in a safe place, because you never know when you're liable to have to go back and the dirty dogs want to decide to give you a reduction, uh, cut you from 100% down to 60 or 70, and you, you're going to have to fight this battle over again. You just never know what they're going to pull on you. First thing I would do when I got my first retro check drill is I would go buy me the biggest gun safe I could legally put in my house. Yes, that's a good now, idea. One side's got shells, put your records in there because it's fireproof and waterproof. Actually, I'd probably yeah. get two safes. I'd get the little safe, smaller safe. I'd put the records into it and then put it in there. It's double, uh, double protection. Uh, this is important, folks. Secure that claims folder. Secure it after you're well assured, after you know without a doubt it's complete and as it should be, and then you secure it. Uh, All right. Don't take that lightly. Well, you're well on borrowed time. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, uh, I hope y'all. Enjoyed the show and, and you learned something here. At least, if nothing else, lay your eyeballs on that claims folder. And if you have already won your claims and you're 100% or whatever percentage you are, get your hands on that claims folder and secure it. We'll do Several a fast show later on the week. We'll explain to everybody uh, how to do that, Drew. Yeah. Because 
if if you don't, uh, if you say, "Oh, I've got it made now," well, no, you don't. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> okay. Oh well. Uh, uh, thanks for tuning in here, and uh, don't forget, Addit's got a donate button there. Uh, uh, throw in a dollar or two. Let's help support T-Bird to keep keep everything going, the website and all. It's done such a wonderful thing for, for veterans. And uh, uh, let's try to keep it going here. So this will be Gerald Cook with Jay Bassard. We're signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bastard Show.